We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. Today we're here to recap the combine on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to talk about all of the positions, specifically the ones more in-depth the Giants are interested in. What about players who might interest the Giants, players who were interested in the Giants being interested in, and go from there. So, Nick, I want to start this thing off by talking running backs, because although the Giants, since the last time we recorded this, have franchise tag Saquon Barkley, will most likely sign into a longer-term deal, I still think they should be in the market for a running back because you need to get out ahead of this thing. When you resign a bar- running back like Barkley at age 26, it's a ticking time bomb. At any point, he could completely fall off. One more major injury, he's likely done. Either way, he's going to start to wear and tear and run down like we've seen every running back in his late 20s. So why not get out ahead of this? If you nail one of these running backs and they are as good as they could potentially be, you now have them under contract for four years of team control at under $2 million per year cap hit. Once again, let me repeat this. Anyone the Giants draft this year, say they take a second round back who we love, a third round back who we love, a fourth round back who falls because this class is stacked and deep and has talent that will last into round four. If they hit on that player, he will be under contract for a measly $2 million cap hit for four years. There's insane value in landing a running back in this class and any class. So I want to start there with the players that I have listed, Nick, as my RB1 and RB2. It's a little bit different from consensus. I have obviously Bijan Robinson as my RB1, but different from consensus, I have Zach Charbonnet as my RB2 over Jamar Gibbs, who's the consensus RB2. And for me, Nick, and we'll get to this more when we do the profiles and position breakdowns, but to me, it's not even close. If I was ever given the right to be an NFL GM, there's not a chance in hell I would take a 190-pound back like Jamar Gibbs over Zach Charbonnet. When you watch Zach Charbonnet tape at UCLA, it is freaking phenomenal stuff. I love this kid. And he came out, and they thought maybe he'd have a bad combine. Maybe he was just a tape guy. Maybe he was just a film back. Maybe he was just someone who was obviously dominant in the entire offense for UCLA when you watch them. But no, he is also an exceptional athlete with the third best RAS score at, at just under six, uh, at six foot and a half, 214 pounds. Charbonnet ran a 4-5-3 40-yard dash, which was only in the pretty good range RAS-wise. But... Elite testing, 10-yard split, 1.54 seconds. Insane number for a 213-pound back. 37-inch vertical was great, and a 10-foot, 2-inch broad jump. Actually, 
insanely comparable from an athletic standpoint to Bijan Robinson, with the exception of height. These two had similar numbers in the 10 yard split, actually the exact same 10 yard split, one, five, four brought a vertical jump, exact same 37 inches, broad jump. Bijan Robinson's was two inches bigger, but pretty damn close there or longer, but two pretty close there. And then a four, four, six, 40 yard dash versus four, five, three for Charbonnet. Definite better long speed for Robinson. Different kind of backs, but both of them are the kings of this class when it comes to creating force missed tackles and yards after contact. And what do I look for in a running back translating to the next level? It's creating yards after contact and it's forcing missed tackles. Both are triple digit force missed tackle kind of backs. You could see it when you watch the film. They cut like crazy. They create space. They juke. They evade players. They have insane contact balance. So what did you see from these two at the combine, maybe in the drills or just that stood out to you, the testing and is Charbonnet going to move up for your board, uh, draft board as well? I have to get to his tape. I watched some of his Arizona tape, and it was wildly impressive. I oh, think yeah. he had two like thirty plus yard runs. The blocking was really good by UCLA it as is. well. But he, he had one run. The um, the first I think it was like a thirty six yard gain where he had this jump cut to avoid the edge rusher, which gave him this, this angle to the outside where he was lined up against the cornerback and a safety in pursuit. And he jump cut back inside, yeah. made both of them miss. He just doesn't have that true breakaway speed. Like some of these other backs. I like Zach Charbonnet. I don't know if I like him better than Jamar Gibbs. I'll have to do my evaluation on Charbonnet first, but when you have that type of size, when you're 220, 225 pounds, and I feel like he is more athletic than he's given credit for on his tape. Like in a phone booth, I still Way believe he has more athletic. Exactly. Those short area quickness skills that, that really pop out to make players miss for somebody of his size. Again, like Jamar Gibbs, he's 199 pounds and Jamar Gibbs is a different level type of athlete in terms of right. you get the football in space. He's, he's really exciting maneuvering. And I felt like he put that on display at the combine as well, but those are just two polar opposite type of backs in terms of what you can do with them. I do think Gibbs will be a really good uh, athlete out of the backfield and be utilized in that manner. But Bijan Robinson is on a completely different plane than any of these other running backs. I've heard people say that he is the best running back prospect to come out since Adrian Peterson. And wow. I think that's probably accurate. I think he's a better running back prospect than Saquon Barkley. Interesting. I don't what think, do, what do you I think agree with that. No, I think Barkley was a better prospect. See, I'm not really 100% certain, Max. I think Bijan Robinson has a better feel for running inside. Way than better Barkley feel for did. the actual position. And maybe Saquon is a slightly better athlete. I, th I think you could say that. I think that's fair. Saquon Barkley's 225 pounds. Bijan Robinson ended up coming in to the combine 5'10", 215 pounds, so slightly under what Saquon Barkley was in terms of size. But when you watch Bijan Robinson operate right. in a, a maze of defenders, he has this unique ability to make them all miss and make them look Dang. stupid. He had, I think, 104 missed tackles this year. And I went back and I looked through Pro Football Focus's database. There's never been a running back that has had that many missed tackles since they started charting missed tackles. Yeah, right? There's never been a running back with 100. I think the most was 99, and that was David Montgomery. But when and it he was, was 39% force missed tackle rate, which was also the best they've ever charted. It's it's incredible. Like Bijan Robinson... He should be a top five pick. He's not going to be because he's a running back. And I completely understand. I'm just talking about who's the best players in the draft. I'm not meaning that, you know, a team should spend right. a top five pick. Not a lot of teams in modern NFL history make that mistake, Dan. But I really, I really love Bijan Robinson's tape. And I thought he was a joy to watch. And I think he's going to be a true difference maker who will probably be drafted somewhere late in round one, but and different running back than Charbonnet and Gibbs. For sure. And well, I I watch. I can't wait till you watch more Charbonnet because I think you're going to exactly. see a lot of that phone booth make you miss with Charbonnet too, and that ability to just make juke and just get everybody off his scent. But 
he is different in the sense that he's a better level of that. And more importantly, I think for Bijan, he just has more breakaway speed than, than Robinson. He actually has that trump card to him. As far as Bijan Robinson versus Barkley as a prospect, I want to make it clear. I would always much, much rather prefer a B. John Robinson than Saquon Barkley. But what I'm looking for, I'm looking for more of the things that like Robinson does well, the processing, the understanding, the cutback lanes, all of that. But as far as what Barkley was as a prospect coming out, it's not what he is anymore. To me, he's not the same player at all that he was when he came out. And it's even evidenced by the breakaway runs on, you know, the actual production, right? He had nine breakaway runs of 40 plus yards as a rookie, had one last season, I believe, or two, maybe um, the Titans and one more than that. So he's not the same player breakaway speed wise. But when he came out of Penn State, that UCA, that USC Penn State Rose Bowl game, that one touchdown run he had with like 80 yards, it was literally the most impressive athletic run I've seen by any prospect of the running back position in the history of the NFL. He was at that point, basically a 230 pound Barry Sanders at that point against USC in that game in that entire season. He's not anymore. There's a lot more wear and tear on his tires. He's five years older. He's at ACL, MCL. He's played a lot in the NFL, taking a lot of hits. But at the time, he was just such a different level athlete. But again, I agree with you. I'd rather have Robinson. Moving on to Jameer Gibbs, I didn't mean to knock him earlier. Just because Charbonnet's my RB2 and I would never take a 199-pound back over a 215-pound guy because I think the 215-pound guy could get an everyday back, and I don't – every down back, I'm not so sure Gibbs can be. Gibbs is, on his own right, had a good combine, right? 1.52 10-yard split, which was better than two guys we just mentioned, Bijan Robinson and Charbonnet. Shows the quickness, shows the acceleration, which we knew he had. It's his trump card. But also the 20-yard split was 2.54, just as dominant. And the 4.36 40-yard dash. So he really does have the trump card. He's bringing that in, right? It's the quick acceleration, the stop, the ability to get to 60 miles per hour, 0 to 60 fast, and then also that home run hitting speed. But things I don't love about Jamar Gibbs' profile, 199-pound back. Seems to me more like a rich man's James Cook almost. Five foot nine, vertical jump, 33 and a half inches. That scared me a little bit. Is the explosiveness there? Is this that same kind of player? Because, you know, 37-inch vert for for Bijan Robinson at 215 pounds and 37 inch vert for Zach Charbonnet at 214 pounds. That's a different number than 199 pounder, you know, with 33 and a half vert. So there are parts of his profile. He does have the Trump card and Charbonnet doesn't have that, by the way, he has a Trump card that a lot of these backs don't have that speed and acceleration. But for me, it's more of a luxury type pick. I'm so glad that you're a Zach Charbonnet fan because I've been waiting to get to his tape and I've been saying, yeah, I'm going to watch Zach Charbonnet today and then someone else always comes out. But I, I think I'm going to like him too just from the highlights that I've seen from him at his size. I do feel like he has this ability to reach top speed Maybe not quickly, but once he gets there, it's it's pretty unique. I felt like it's faster than a than a four five four, like his top speed. On, on I like that, but what I like most, and I don't want to spoil too much because I'm his profile, but I want to put these ideas in your head because while you're watching, you might see it. What I like most is his creativity in between the tackles, as far as like maximizing every yard on every single and. When he's in space and he's running toward the sideline, Nick, just keep an eye on how many times while he's over at the sideline, he actually goes down. The play actually ends with him on the ground. There are so many plays in his tape where he's not on the ground by the end of his run. What does that say to you? His contact balance is filthy. It's absolutely filthy. And then the last thing to keep an eye on, He's his natural hands as a catcher, because in a Chip Kelly offense, you need to be able to catch the football. They run a ton of screen to him, a ton of quick throws to him. And there are a ton of throws that were behind him. There was one catch he made, I believe, in the Stanford film, but it might have been Arizona. I'm getting the tapes mixed together where it was a throw that he had to totally flip his body behind him. And he just plucks it with his hands. He's a hands catcher completely. So it's the receiving profile that also has me really excited about him.
Yeah, he had 320 receiving yards on 37 catches this last year. He's also a Michigan transfer. So he started at Michigan, yep. transferred to UCLA. And I like what I've seen from him, but I'll reserve my judgment until we until I see an entire evaluation and a bunch of film on him. But I do think I'm going to appreciate his tape. Let's talk about another back who's talked about sometimes in the top five, but I think after his combine might ultimately fall to round three or round four. Another player who I haven't seen enough of yet, but I know I'm going to like based on the little I've seen, and that's Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. His combine was not quite like Charbonnet's, who some people, you know, compare him to. Five foot 11, 210 pounds, fine there. 21 bench reps, not terrible. Four, five, six, 40 yard dash is not great from a breakaway speed standpoint. I kind of knew that's what he was going to be, but it isn't great. The 20-yard split also, 2.66, not very good, but a good 10-yard split. But then the vertical jump, 32 and a half inches, not good explosive number. And then a 9-foot, 11-inch broad jump, again, more average than anything else. These are all pretty average to good numbers, but in a class where you have three guys we just talked about with elite-type testing and elite-type athleticism, this is definitely more of a little bit of a knock on Pigsby. But I haven't watched his tape yet, and I already know, based on the little I've seen, he's going to be my kind of back. Yeah, I have to uh, reserve my judgment as well on Tank Bigsby just because I haven't seen the tape. I've heard people that I respect talk him up as a hard-nosed runner, so that's one check mark, I guess, in his favor, but we'll have to wait and see exactly how he plays once we get around to Auburn's tape. And so that was Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. Now let's talk about a couple more sleeper-type running backs who had interesting combines. One had a phenomenal combine athletically. The other, I thought, had a really good one considering his film is also great. These are guys who, I mean, look, we're going to get to the Taji Spearses too. This is not going to be one of them. We're going to get to those like smaller backs, Deuce Vaughn and Taji Spears I want to talk about. But these are guys who I think have a chance to be potentially in more of a three-down role or at least like a two-plus role. And that's Chase Brown out of Illinois and Rashawn Johnson out of Texas. I want to start with Chase Brown out of Illinois, who absolutely knocked this combine out of the park and proved to be one of the better athletes in this class at the running back position. He had a 9.76 overall RAS score, one of the best at the position. 25 bench press reps, which was insane. That puts him in elite percentile there at 209 pounds. He's obviously a strong back. 4-4-3, 40-yard dash at 209 is great size speed combination. 2.6, 10-yard split, 20-yard uh, split, very good. One point. 10 yard split elite percentile 40 inch vertical jump elite 10 foot seven inch broad jump elite so elite in explosive numbers elite in the acceleration and the quickness elite in the deep speed 209 pounds with 25 bench press reps which is also in the elite profile what do you make of that i love that 40 inch vertical jump and he's another player that i haven't watched illinois offense yet but chase brown i saw him down at the senior bowl when I was just reviewing the senior bowl tape and he was the one player that I brought up on the previous podcast, how he stole the freaking soul of Riley Moss, who attempted to just fill the alley. A lot of people talking about how Riley Moss, the cornerback from Iowa should play safety. Well, <laughs> that narrative evaporated, evaporated very quickly, Dan, when he tried to fill the alley against Chase Brown and Chase Brown loaded the ground, great center of gravity, just freaking ran right through Riley Moss. And I was like, Oh, the poor Hawkeye, the poor guy. I'm excited to get to his tape and the next guy we're going to talk about. I've watched Bijan Robinson's tape, but I didn't see enough of Roshan Johnson yet. Yeah, one more thing on Brown. I get Austin Eckler vibes from Chase Brown. Let's see how that plays out, but that's the vibes I get. Low to low built to the ground type running back that packs a punch at about 210, but can really rip off, you know, really strong upper body. That's and then and one thing that Austin Eckler had was those really good explosive jumps. Austin Eckler looks like somebody chiseled him, like at a moment. Yeah, yeah. like, like, like an amazing physique. Yeah, LeBron's just, yeah, he really is. And he made in the NFL with such a low center of gravity. I kind of like those low center of gravity type backs. Roshan Johnson, not exactly the same. He's almost six foot one, 
219 pounds. 45840 at 219 is pretty solid. Nothing amazing, but pretty solid. Okay uh, to pretty good on the 20 yard and the 10 yard splits. 31 and a half inch vertical, not great, but a good broad jump. I always find it weird when these athletes have great broad jumps and then and then bad vertical jumps. Like, I don't understand how that's a thing, but it happened here. They're better jumping, you know, on the horizontal plane than yeah. the vertical plane. I guess. <laughs> I don't really know what it comes down to, but yeah, like you said, haven't seen a lot of Roshan tape, but we have a strong feeling he's going to be a big sleeper for Nick and I. Let's talk a lot of tread left on the tire too, because he was backing up Bijan Robinson. Like Roshan Johnson was somebody who was at Texas before Bijan Robinson, and he was set to be the guy. Bijan ends up coming into onto campus, and he doesn't transfer out. He ends up, you know, still having a role on that offense. So I'm sure a Nolan Smith would appreciate that after Nolan Smith went on about how he's kind of looks down upon the transfer portal. All right, now I want to talk about Taji Spears and Deuce Vaughn, two backs who probably won't be your every down Saquon Barkley 75% snap share type backs. But man, when you take these guys on day three, which I probably think they'll go, maybe they'll go day two though, round three potentially, you're getting so much juice to your offense. You're adding such a trump card to your offense. So I would be good with either of these two players if the Giants wanted to take either of them. Now, one thing I want to say about Deuce Vaughn, not the greatest testing numbers. He was five foot five, 179 pounds. That puts him in like un, like crazy low percentiles from a height and weight standpoint. Bench press obviously is not going to be great either. 17 reps, 35 and a half inch vertical. I didn't love and just the nine foot eight inch broad jump. Also not great. Didn't run the 40, didn't do the acceleration or the agility testing, but when you watched him in the drills, man, how good did Deuce Vaughn look changing direction in those drills and transitioning and moving with his feet? It was wild. Like, I watched him, and I was just like, I'm thinking of this at the NFL level. I'm watching him weave in and out in my head behind blockers, in between linebackers, and away from safeties. I'm just thinking about how it translates. Oh, man, he's such a controlled back, and he's so low to the ground. You know, that's the kind of guy who's going to just get lost, right, behind yep. offensive linemen. I mean, remember the run against Alabama that he had? He had that 88-yard touchdown run in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama, and that was, was one of those ones where it was just like an A-gap run because everyone yeah. looks at a Deuce Vaughn type. He's five foot five. He's a small-ass guy, dude, right? He's five foot five out there, but Kansas State used him in the A-gap. Yes. They used him in the B gap. He was an interior rusher. This isn't just a, a hey, we're only going to use him as a receiver. Now, he might be that in the NFL because it's going to be difficult for a 179-pound guy. Like, is he Danell Pumphrey from San Diego State, who the Eagles drafted a few years ago? Or is he Darren, Darren Sproles, yeah. who also went to Kansas State? So there's a lot of comparisons. And I think he's a little bit more like a Darren Sproles type of player. I don't know if he'll just fizzle out of the league. It all, also depends on where he lands. But I'm definitely interested in Deuce Vaughn. And hey, man, got to represent those short guys, man. A five foot five dude who's able to have a 90-yard touchdown against Alabama, that says something. To be fair, I did like Pumphrey a lot too. So, it, it, and I think most people during that draft process felt like he'd be a sleeper. How about Taji Spears out of Tulane? He didn't have the greatest combine either for what they were expecting. Five foot nine, 201. Not bad there, 201. Five foot nine. I like the little center gravity guys. 18 bench press reps. 39 inch vertical was great. So, I shouldn't say he had a bad combine. I actually take that back. He didn't do any of the testing, but the actual tests he did, he showed off his explosiveness. Elite scores for vertical jump, 39 inches. Broad jump, 10 feet, five inches. Elite, elite. Didn't do the 40, didn't do the acceleration drills and the, and the quickness drills, didn't do the agility drills. So I think when you watch his tape, you can see this dude can change directions fast. This dude can go from zero to 60 fast. So I don't know if I really need those testing. Maybe the 40 would have told me something. Oh, dude, he's like shot out of a cannon to use yeah. the cliche. I mean, Taji Spears, we talk a lot on this podcast about steady drum beats. He's had probably oh, the yeah. loudest steady drum beat that keeps getting louder 
throughout this process because he went down to the senior bowl and really made an impression in front of all of the NFL evaluators. And now he had that combine where he was able to have those explosive testing numbers. He didn't run the 40. I'm wondering what he would have ran because he's a pretty damn fast back. And I think he's somebody who will probably be selected. I'm thinking, man, on day two, he could be one of those day two backs, somebody who slips in, you know, around in the fifties, in the sixties, something like that. And will come into the NFL and have a, have an impact. I'm not sure if he'll be like on every down. I don't think he's an every down type of guy. He's a little bit smaller, but he'll definitely be a um, part of a nice running back by committee. And then a couple guys just to touch on, we're going to bring a, a trump card to this whole mix of this NFL draft. Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina ran a four, three, seven. And also with elite testing numbers on the 20 yard split, 10 yard split, vertical jump, broad jump, just an absolute elite athlete with elite speed. When you can put that on an NFL field, you now like, for example, let's say it's the giants, right? Say they tag Barkley, come to a long-term deal, let Slayton walk. Well, if you put this guy, Keaton Mitchell on the giants next year, he'd be one of their only sub four, four athletes on the field to be completely honest, like true sub four, four, like, you know, Wandell ran like a four, four ish. That's not a true sub four, four, right? Like the actual four, four guys, Brita probably close, but probably a little bit over. This is a four, three, seven true breakaway speed kind of guy. Same thing with arcane, the running back. So we're talking about guys that if the giants call them arcane again, or yeah, a cane, we're talking about guys. And if the giants want so wrong, and <laughs> what is it? A chain. A chain, a chain, a chain, whatever. It's a terrible, it's a terrible pronunciation for a name. Just kidding. It's fine. But we're talking about guys who could immediately add speed to the field for the Giants and be a trump card from a speed standpoint. A chain is is interesting in that aspect, yeah. man. You get him in the space, he can just go. And that was evident all throughout his film in Texas AM. I didn't think his bag drills were as smooth as some of the other backs. Like, like watching Bijan Robinson, that's the that's the perfect guy to watch if you want to watch how somebody is supposed to run all of those bag drills. It was flawless. It was yeah, so freaking smooth. So good. Right. And then you can kind of base all those other running backs off that. I felt like again, you brought up Deuce Vaughn. I felt like he looked really good in those drills as well. But yeah, A Chain, he's definitely uh get the football in his hands and just allow him to go. And if you have a creative offensive mind, <clears throat> Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, they can really leverage his skill set. Let's talk some receivers. I want to start with a receiver who solidified himself as my wide receiver one for this class, the receiver I'd be most willing to make a bet on. It's not a traditional class where I have an obvious wide receiver one like Jamar Chase and past classes, but just the guy I'm most willing to make a bet on. And it's especially true because I don't care what position he plays. I consider all three wide receiver positions starting positions in today's NFL. And that's Jackson Smith and Jigba who posted such an elite change of direction, such elite change of direction numbers, right? They're talking about a 393 short shuttle, which is insane to go sub four on that. And a 6573 cone that they said his numbers were so elite they compared to what what was it? Wells Welker or Edelman. I forgot which one of those those Patriots wide receivers. I think it was Welker. And he actually beat them. And they were legendary change of direction numbers that led to a 941 overall RAS score, despite having not great numbers, height, weight, vertical jump wasn't anything special. 35. Broad jump was really good though at 10, uh, 10 foot, five inches, um, hand size, not great. Nine, nine, in, uh, nine there arm length, 30.5 inches there. So nothing too amazing, on but yeah, exactly. It is what he is, right? Exactly. He's, you draft him to be a Cooper, the coop next Cooper cop type player in the NFL. And you know, man, those change of direction numbers were insane. They were the best change of direction numbers since 2014, when Brendan cooks ran the three cone specifically wow. three cone, I believe. And when you look at the slot, what do you need to possess? You need to possess yeah. the ability to make people miss. And there could be a lot of people around you that you have to make miss because you're in the middle of the field. He has that athletic ability. And he didn't run the 40. I don't even think he needs to run the 40 at this point. Mm -hmm. With those type of agility drills, teams who need slot receivers, basically every team in the NFL runs a lot of 11 personnel. 
They need slot receivers. And Jackson Smith and Jigba fits that perfectly. And remember, this is a guy. He didn't play in 2022, really. He had a couple catches. I think he had right. four catches for 39 yards, was dealing with a hamstring injury. 2021, though, he went off at Ohio State, 95 catches for 1,595 yards, nine touchdowns, and he was the alpha dog on a team with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Okay, so that's the kind of player that we're talking about here. And he's going to end up going to a place like New England or somewhere and just being an absolute stud for them. Yeah, to me, that's really what it comes down to. If you could dominate target share and production in a wide receiver core that has the rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson, and another wide receiver in Chris Olave, it could have been the rookie of the year in any other year. It shows me a lot, and it may be all I really, really need to know. And think about how offenses are run now. It's like, yeah, well, not a lot of offenses, Dan, use like the X receiver who's going to be outside oh, yeah. all the time. Like the Giants aren't like that either. That's why I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he's around at pick 25, could realistically be in, in serious consideration for the Giants. Like, yeah, they just drafted Wondell Robinson. It's like, dude, the Giants will alternate who is inside, right. who is outside. It's very fluid. And I and think they're going to run bunch and stacks and all sorts of stuff that negates yes. the, per- the, the worry of having the traditional one, one, three. If it was Ben McAdoo offense, we obviously don't want multiple slots because what are you going to do? It's always the, the same look with the outside receivers and the one guy in the slot, but that's just not how it's going to be for Dable and Kafka. It's not how it's going to be. And that really negates one of the biggest drawbacks to Jackson Smith and Jigba is yep. the fact that he is a slot only guy in a Kafka and Dable type of offense. That's not that big of a deal. Yep. Completely agree with you on that. Let's talk about another player who I have. Look, if, if it's JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba as the core, as the receiver, I'm most <laughs> likely to and in Jigba as the receiver. I'm most likely to draft with the first pick uh first receiver pick if I was needing a receiver the other guy for me would be Zay Flowers he'd be the guy I'm second most likely and I, I don't want to knock Quinton Johnson Johnston because I do see a ton of upside with Johnson and he is by far and away the best upside pick of any of these three if he hits his ceiling it's so much better than the ceiling of a Flowers or a JSN but I just I just don't know if I feel that comfortable about him reaching that ceiling versus these other guys like Flowers and JSN who I think are very close to reaching what their ceiling could be JSN I'm sorry, Zay Flowers, not the greatest combine from a relative athletic score standpoint, mostly though, because he didn't do well from a height and weight standpoint at five foot nine, 182. It's not an ideal wide receiver height. It's not an ideal wide receiver weight. He also has the dreaded sub 30 inch arms at 29 and 2.25 inches there. Hand size, 9.25, not amazing, but four, four, two, 40 yard dash. So he has the vertical speed and it shows up on his tape. When he runs those double moves, he creates so much vertical reputation, 20 yard split. Great. Two, five, eight, 10 yard split elite one, five, three vertical jump, just in the good range at 35.5, but then an elite broad jump at 10 foot, seven inches. What'd you see from Zay flowers? Zay flowers, just some of the catches that he made on the field in Indianapolis. I think he had one on the sidelines that was like really, really impressive, which you're, you're, you're running routes on air. It's not that yeah. difficult. I get that, but you get to see the body control up front and all that stuff was evident on his film as well. But the gauntlet, dude, and I like the gauntlet drill because it shows how a player can maintain one straight line and how he can catch the ball, divert his attention to the other side, recollect his focus, and then catch the ball. Shows concentration. And I felt like Zay Flowers and the UNC slot wide receiver Josh Downs were very smooth um, in that specific drill, the gauntlet, which is one of my favorite at the combine. Yeah, without a doubt. Let's talk about Quinton Johnston, a player we already did a draft profile on, the only one we have so far. Our first guy viewed by many. As the wide receiver one in this class, the highest upside prospect for sure in my mind. He's six foot three. Some people thought he might be six four, he's six foot three, 208, 
Arm length is good, 33.65. Hand size solid, 9.65. Didn't do any of the for any of the speed drills, the 40-yard dash, the splits. So he doesn't have we don't have acceleration quickness numbers. We don't have deep speed numbers, but and that's disappointing, by the way. I want to see what his 40 would be. But we do have the explosive numbers, and a 40.5-inch vertical is amazing at six foot three. And eleven feet two-inch broad jump is even more elite. So elite explosion numbers out of Quinton Johnston. Yeah, Quentin Johnston's an absolute beast. I'm not surprised by those explosive numbers, but there's not too much more we can discuss about him at the Combine, so move on. Let's talk Jalen Hyatt, a player who we think... So Jalen Hyatt's a weird one for me because I know it's... I want to go positionless, but I also feel like if he needs to reach a ceiling, it needs to be at the out uh, playing some outside receiver, so... I'm curious if he'll be a slot only guy at the NFL and if that changes anything. He was 87.3% in the slot. Yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of red flags with Jalen Hyatt. Like I like Jalen Hyatt, but I think I can get a speedy wide receiver who can take the top yeah. off the defense a little bit later on. And there's a bunch of people like right. Palmer from Nebraska, the kids from Cincinnati who, who ran Scott, five. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jalen Hyatt ran a four, four, like that's solid. And I think he, I think he plays faster than that. I think it's fair to say that. And I think, you know, when he's tracking the football, when he's tracking the football, he has long strides too because he's a little bit high hipped. When he's tracking the football, like he doesn't really break speed. Like he can keep pace right. with that football if it's overthrown. It's something that I really appreciated about his tape. But when you only have one year of production, you operated predominantly in the slot. You were in a very, very, I would say, progressive system. Like Josh Heupel does great work for the University of Tennessee, and Hendon Hooker was a really good quarterback prospect. Progressive, but maybe not all that translatable to the NFL. Yeah, I don't I don't think I mean like again, Jalen Hyatt is a slot receiver. Slot receiver that aligned like two yards outside the numbers just because they 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 do some crazy stuff down there in Josh Heupel's offense. I don't want to make it like I don't love Jalen Hyatt, but there's still I, I I you don't see that many contested catches. You know, it, it, I don't want to call him a one trick pony, but his major trick is speed, and that is the majority of the reason why you would be drafting him. And I just think you can get that a little bit later on in the draft. I think I'd rather have some yeah. of these other guys that we're going over. And I can't knock you for that, but with all that said, he did test out elite from an athleticism standpoint. 9.46 overall relative athletic score. 4-4 flat puts him in the elite range. 20-yard split of 2.56 puts him in the elite range. 10-yard split of 1.5 flat puts him in the elite range. Vertical jump 40 inches puts him in the elite range. Range Broad jump 11 feet 3 inches also elite range. So elite explosiveness with the jumps, elite speed with the 4-4 flat, and then elite quickness. All the traits are there athletically, but like you said, as far as production goes, he is a bit of a one-trick pony. That scares me as well, especially in addition to the one-year production. I'll say this though. I love how he tracked the football, not just maintaining the speed and all that, but I feel like he had really good concentration into his hands, but this is kind of crazy. Just according to pro football focus through his three years in college, he only saw 13 contested catches, caught six of them, which is, you know, that's okay. That's fine. But only 13. That's kind of crazy. It's a super low number and obviously, you know, requires a ton of prognostication and projection as far as the next level. Let's talk about a couple other receivers. I want to talk about a receiver who is probably ranked a bit higher than Hyatt right now, but to me in the same range, um, this is a guy who I haven't seen his film yet really outside of what I just watched in the regular season because I bet on his team and his quarterback on a week-to-week basis because that's what I do in college football. I just bet on two quarterbacks all year last year, and for the most part, they let they didn't leave me down. I mostly bet the team overs. That's USC and UNC, my two favorite quarterbacks in next year's class, guys that I would love to have on any team that I'm a fan of, and that's wide receiver Jordan Addison who played for USC with Kayla Williams this year. Addison, I haven't seen, like I said, haven't seen too much tape, but people love it. People think he's amazing. But combine-wise, athletically, it was a disaster weekend for the dude. I mean, we're talking about arm 
length, 30, just over 30 inches, not great. Hand hand size, not great. Weight, 171, not really good at all. A 449 40-yard dash at 171 is not what you want to see there. The 20-yard split and the 10-yard split were okay at 156 and 26, respectively. Vertical jump, not great, though, at 34 inches. And the broad jump, only a little bit better at 10 feet, 2 inches. So not the testing people were hoping for for him. No, I think the highlight for him would be that dig route that he ran in yep. one of the on-field drills where the throw was well in front of him and he just leaped and he snagged it out of the air, looked very fluid, was able to recollect his balance and just pitter-patter, 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 just kept running, bro. So not the best testing. I still think he has a lot of upside and I'm excited to get to his Yeah, problem. I think that could make him a super value and potentially like slide okay. him right into 25 of the Giants. I'm not really huge on weighing this testing too much, but just want to bring it up. Another player who's ranked a little bit lower than him, two players in a similar range to me of this draft are Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma and Josh Downs out of UNC who played with Drake May, my boy. But let's start with Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma, a player who I really like. I've seen a little bit of him. I tweeted about him a few weeks ago. I think he could be an absolute steal. Like if I like we talked about Jalen Hyatt, right? Well, two things Jalen Hyatt does great is he's an explosive athlete with crazy quickness, explosiveness, and speed, and he tracks the ball well in the deep balls like you discussed. I feel like you can just get Marvin Mims like 30 to 40 picks later, and you're just getting much better value on a very similar style prospect. Five foot 10, 183, 438, 40-yard dash, elite, 255, 20-yard split, elite. 155, 10-yard, close to elite, vertical, 39 and a half, elite, broad jump, 10 feet, 9 inches, elite. Three cone was only pretty good, and he did test the three cone, but that's what he is. He's not the quick change direction guy. He's the explosive, fast, quick, speedy guy. So I love what I saw from him on tape as far as tracking deep balls, and I've only watched a very little bit of him so far. He's one of the, the receivers I got onto last week. But again, like I said, I almost feel like you can get him 30 picks later than Hyatt, and you're getting better value most likely. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, this is somebody who averaged 19.5 yards per catch wow. in his entire college career. That's not just one year. And that only happened because in 2020, he averaged 16.5. Oh, terrible. But the next other two years, it was 22 and 20, respectively, in 2021 and 2022. So this is a true deep threat, somebody who can threaten the defense vertically. And I think you're right, man. If you want to take Jalen Hyatt in the first round, good on you. But there's these deep threats that you can get a little bit later on that might be at a better value. And then you can go and fill another need that many needs that the Giants have with pick 25. Then we got Josh Downs, a player who worked with Drake oh, yeah. May at North Carolina. I think we're going to ultimately end up liking him more than where people are suggesting he goes. He's 
somewhat similar in build to the guys we were talking about, just five foot nine, one seventy one, with good testing numbers, four four eight four yard dash, pretty damn good, two point six twenty yard split. 1.49 10 yards, but those are like elite of elite numbers there. 38 and a half inch vertical, right in that elite range, 10 feet, 11 inch, almost an 11 foot broad jump. So elite explosiveness, elite quickness and acceleration and elite deep speed. But I also feel like he's a pretty damn good route runner and has really good body control. And what I remember of watching from him and you even put this, but despite being small, he had a 72.2% contested catch rate, which is really freaking good. Uh, for a player of his size. I think Josh Downs could be ultimately be one of the big sleepers in this class, the wide receiver position. I agree with you. He's just more than likely going to be a slot. But as we said a little bit right. before, that th isn't the biggest deal for the New York Giants, in at least my opinion. He's somebody who had over 1,000 yards this year with 11 catches not, or 11 touchdowns, 94 catches. I liked uh, how he looked on the field, though, dude. The gauntlet drill is one of the smoothest of this yeah. year. So he, he's definitely somebody who's on my radar. Might be somebody I would take over a Hyatt type too, especially you get him in, again, 30, 40 picks later than that type of player. Let's talk about the guy who I call the Donovan Peoples-Jones Award of this year's combine, the athletic beast profile that had meh production to bad, met to bad production at, at college, but a lot of that can be blamed on bad quarterback play and bad system for him, for a, a receiver. And that's Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia. Bryce Ford Wheaton absolutely tore up this combine with an almost perfect uh, RAS score. He's six foot four, which puts him in, in you know, elite sc uh, score there. 221 elite size right there. Six four, 221 is elite X receiver size. Four, three, eight, 40 yard dash at that size. Two, five, five, 20 yard split. One, five, four, 10 yard split. We're through six elite numbers right now. 41 inch vert elite. 10 foot, nine inch broad elite. Then the crazy part of this whole thing, the elite eight, one, three shuttle time by this dude. And that's borderline elite. It's more in the great 4.15 shuttle. 4.15. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Yep. 4.15 shuttle. 8.13 would have been terrible, but 4.15 shuttle. That was the big, the, the surprising one there. So now we're looking at an insanely elite athlete and you did a good job of putting this up there on our, on our uh, notes document. He actually tests almost identical from an athleticism standpoint. I mean, like T for T, every single one of these drills and height and weight, though he's actually bigger than this prospect, to Christian Watson from last year. Now, I haven't watched any Bryce Ford Wheaton, and I watched a lot of Christian Watson. I planted my flag on Watson. I put him in my top five overall receiver last year. I wanted him. I got him in every fantasy league. I drafted him in my keeper league. This was my guy. This is the type of guy I bet on. Those are the traits I bet on. I haven't watched any Brace Ford Wheaton. Have you? Because and am I and is that if that's the case, is he going to look as good as Christian Watson looked in North Dakota, or are they just the same athletes and, and unfortunately different actual football players? I haven't gotten to West Virginia's tape yet, okay. but I know JT Daniels was his quarterback this past year, and JT Daniels was this highly regarded quarterback that went to USC and Georgia, and then he transferred to the Mountaineers, played there in 2022, and then he now has transferred to Rice. So four colleges in what, I think four or five years. It says something about what's going on there. So I don't think Bryce Ford Wheaton was probably in the best situation, but I'll let you know in a couple of weeks once I get to his film. And he's definitely on my radar after that performance at the Combine. How about two other players that got some buzz during Senior Bowl that we're going to circle back to now in Rasheed Rice and Tank Dell? Let's start with Tank Dell, who was like the star of the Senior Bowl, not the star of the Combine. Five foot eight, 165. These are 
really, really, really bad size numbers for a receiver. But we knew that coming in. 4-4-9, 40-yard dash, I felt like was pretty disappointing for a tank, Dell. I think if you don't have deep speed with that profile, it's tougher to make it. 2-6, 20-yard split was okay. The 1-4-9, 10-yard split was elite. Didn't really do any of the other testing. Didn't do the shuttle, the three-cone, the vert. Had an okay broad jump. Uh, no bench press. So what did you see from Dell and maybe the drills or anything there? Nah, it just sucks, man. Because I really like Tank Dell's yeah. game, but a four four nine is—it's just not good. There's really no, no, no nothing profile. else that you could say for that yeah. profile for a one hundred and sixty-five pound wide receiver who was five foot eight. You can't run a, a four four nine. But I'll say this: he had a one four nine ten yard split, which is pretty damn good, right? That's pretty solid. He didn't do the vertical jump, and he didn't do the three cone and the twenty yard shuttle, the short shuttle. I think which if I'm he did, because he could have dominated those. Exactly. Like my my big. Uh, the big reason why I like Tank Dell so much is because he can change direction on a dime. It's one of the quickest change of directions I've seen since Kadarius Tony. It's yeah. that good on his tape in Houston. And I think there is going to be a team that will take him more than likely on day two. Maybe he'll slip to day three, but I'm not sure. I mean, he could because he's such an outlier. But I do believe he, I mean, he was wildly productive at Houston. They play in a big spread type of system. But I, I just think you can leverage his skill sets enough, similar to how you can do with Kadarius Tony, but the difference is he's a totally different individual right. than Kadarius Tony. So that could lead to a whole nother upside that we haven't necessarily seen Kadarius Tony scratch quite yet. So, but this is not a good sign for him. Four four nine is not great. <laughs> not for one sixty five pound athlete for sure. Rasheed Rice, though, on the other hand, nine point six seven overall relative athletic score, really good. Six one two oh four four five one at two oh five is pretty good. 10-yard split, elite 149. That's the same number Tank Dell ran. So that's really interesting as far as an acceleration quickness goes. Explosive 41-inch vertical. Explosive 10-foot, 8-inch broad jump. Also elite numbers. So we're looking at a much better athlete than I think people realize with Rasheed Rice. Yeah, and he was somebody that I didn't believe had the best senior bowl. Just from some of the tape I saw down there, I was like, oh, man, I've heard a lot about Rasheed Rice, but he's not really grabbing me. And he came down to the combine and had a good one, so I'm happy for him. Anything on Charlie Jones out of Purdue, a player who a lot of people like. I haven't really seen much of him yet, but he had a pretty good combine. 4-4-3, I don't think anyone was expecting him to be a 4-4-3 type athlete. Pretty good numbers in the explosive jumps as well, and even the 10-yard split. I really like Charlie Jones. I like this tape, too. I watch Purdue's offense. Like I said, he went up against Joey Porter Jr., and he got the best of Joey Porter Jr. a couple different times in week one when he was targeted like 14 times, Joey Porter Jr., that is. So that really kind of turned me on to Charlie Jones. I brought him up a couple of podcasts ago. This is somebody who was at Buffalo, then transferred to Iowa, elite special teamer, has punt return and kick return touchdowns in his background. And I really think he's somebody who you might be able to get early on day three who can come in and he can compete for snaps like a better David Sills, only a little bit smaller, but like that type of player with more juice, right? So mm -hmm. like somebody who you might be bringing in for special teams reasons, but he can work his way into the lineup because he has that type of talent. He's been counted out several different times and he keeps producing. He transferred to Purdue to be more involved in a pass heavy attack. And it really paid off for Charlie Jones because he was wildly productive this past year. He ran a four, four, three, like you said, 36 and a half vert, 10, four uh, broad jump. I just think he's a pretty solid overall player and he'd be a value pick somewhere in day three. I like that, and I think the Giants could potentially be very interested in a player like him who I think fits what they want in their profile, especially if that value is there. Say he does drop to round three. Okay, Nick, let's transition positions. I have one more wide yeah. receiver to bring up, and I, I think we'd be remiss if we did not bring him up because he's from the at least a 
Jersey College, and he didn't. He's on, I believe he's Hawaiian, and that is Andre Yushovis from Princeton, and he's a really good athlete with great size, six foot three, two hundred five pounds, thirty two inch arms, ran a four four three one five two ten yard split, thirty nine inch vert, ten eight broad, and then sub seven three cone, six eight five with a four one two short shuttle, and I think he's another one of those players, and I'm be more interested than him probably than Charlie Jones, depending on what you want to do, because I feel like Yushovis has a ton of upside, right? That might be untapped at this point because he had a pretty good senior bowl week he's an excellent athlete coming from a small program definitely more of a developmental type of player but if he reaches his potential you're talking about a player who could be a steal and a deep threat one thing i didn't love about him though he has really small hands which sucks yeah. man he has like eight and three fourth inch hands which isn't as bad i don't think as will fuller but it's pretty freaking small it's not hunter renfro hands hunter renfro legit has those little hands you know that you stick on like your pinky and you like do this with your your finger you know what i'm talking about yeah i do you see him gifts everywhere that's hunter renfro's hands and the guy still doesn't drop a football i can't i can't really explain it yeah, that's true he never really drops balls but um little insight into the player Nick just mentioned. He was a player who the Giants showed interest in a lot during the Senior Bowl, and the Giants have been connected to a lot. So someone to keep an eye on. Uh, we have a friend, a mutual friend, on the Princeton staff, and he speaks spoke wonders about it. He, he thinks this kid is really dedicated, loves his, his work ethic, and thinks he's going to be a win at the next level. So just keep that in mind before we move on to my favorite class by far in this NFL draft. It's the tight end class. Before you stop me and talk about all these first-round busts, the tight end position throughout NFL history, like I care about them, I don't. This is a historic tight end class. And when you take a tight end, you have to understand the bus factor is higher. But the hit factor, when you nail one of these tight ends, you are drafting a unicorn, especially if they can block. But if they are either way a wide-sized tight end, you are drafting a unicorn. Tight end is disgustingly bad across the NFL. I'm so happy the Giants found Daniel Bellinger. But I want another. I want two great tight ends at all times. It gives you such an edge. Some teams have zero. Some teams aren't even close to having one. So let's talk about this ridiculously, almost in my mind, historic tight end class. It really does feel that way, at least from an athletic testing standpoint. I haven't gotten to all the tape. I want to start with the guy who absolutely stole the show. He won't be the tight end one on many boards, though I do think he should be potentially the first tight end drafted if you're focusing on projection and betting on traits. And that's Darnell Washington out of Georgia, a player with very little actual production at the collegiate level because he did play with Brock Bowers at tight end at Georgia, a tight end who was in his same on his same, you know, in the same tight end room. Had to share snaps with him and a better player. He's going to be a top 10 pick for sure. Plus, in an offense that likes to run the ball a good amount and an offense that can throw the ball downfield with Stenson Bennett off play action. He wasn't really a focal point of the system and the scheme. That doesn't mean he can't be at the NFL level because from a testing standpoint, here's what you get with him. Six foot six and a half, almost a true six, seven at 264. Those are elite frame numbers. And what did he do with it? A four, six, four, 40 yard dash. Are you kidding me? A four, six, four, 264 with a two, six, eight, 20 yard split and a one, six, one, 10 yard split. Are you kidding me? We're talking about elite size, speed, quickness, acceleration. Broad jump was elite, 10 foot, two inches, not a great first jump. But then the trump of all trumps by far, Nick, for his profile from an athleticism standpoint, a 4.08 short shuttle drill. Un 
unfathomable for a 264-pound athlete. It really freaking is, dude. It was better than all but two wide receivers at the combine. Are you kidding me? His change of direction. Some people think the short shuttle is like all you need from the combine. A lot of people I've talked to are just like, don't even look at any of this crap. Just look at the short shuttle. It's basically all that matters for a lot of these positions. And he put offensive elite, line specifically. Offensive line specifically. And so yeah. now you have a guy who has an elite athletic profile from a change of direction standpoint, a size-speed combination, 264-464, a quickness standpoint with those splits. And great film as a blocker, as an inline blocker. Like, this is the craziest part about his whole profile, dude. If he just had all of that, Nick, and he was the receiving type, I'd be like, well, that's the type of guy you might want to gamble on at the back end of round one, early round two. But when you also factor in that he's already a really good blocker and has the frame to become an elite blocker at the NFL level, to me, that's somebody who can't make it out of the top 15 if I'm an NFL GM. I just don't gamble on a lot of these guys over someone like that. Like, I'm not going to take, personally, I'm not taking probably Jordan Addison over him. Like, I don't need a 5'10", 178-pound receiver when I could get a six foot six, 264-pound tight end who can block and probably has a shit ton of untapped potential as a receiver. Yeah, don't know Washington. You're not going to find me complaining about him, right? The one thing I guess you could say is there weren't that many designed play or all the plays that I feel like he had success with from the tape that I've seen of Georgia, which I just watched them a lot on Saturday. I'm about mm-hmm. to dive into their offensive tape. I finished up their defensive tape recently, but there's not a lot of him like going over the middle of the field and, and making catches through progressions and stuff. It's a lot of just design type of plays because they're Georgia. They run the football a lot, right? right. There's a lot of just like kind of play action slides and things like that. He had targeted 43 times, had 28 catches, for 454 yards with two touchdowns. I think he only, like the last five or six weeks of the season, he never eclipsed having one catch in the game. So he wasn't a primary part of his offense. That does not mean he can't be that at the next level. And that's very important, okay? But that's just something that I feel like the the detractors can say. I put up recently, Dan, I'm not sure if you saw it, a blocking montage of Darnell Washington, about two and two minute, two and a half minutes of Darnell Washington just blocking. And it's pretty freaking impressive. watch that. Oh, and it's, yeah, it's really cool. impressive. Because not only can he take a five technique who was 265 pounds and win that one-on-one battle, we talk about losing slow. He doesn't lose slow. He's like a sixth offensive lineman. I know a lot of people have said that, but it's kind of true. He's like a almost like a sixth offensive lineman out there for you. And he has the athletic ability to go downfield. And he has the athletic ability to kick out into space and track down a cornerback and kick them out and right. just be an absolute beast in that manner too. So he's a, he's a weapon that I feel like a lot of teams, you know, picking in the twenties should consider. I'm not certain if that's the best spot for the New York giants to go is Darnell Washington. But if they are looking at tight end, I'm, I, I, he might be my number one. I still have so much film to do on the tight end position. So I shouldn't make that declaration, but damn, am I intrigued? And I don't even know if he'll be my number one because I freaking love Mayer. I love Kincaid and I love Musgrave, Ben. But upside, and I love all four of these players. And as far as like, you get a big floor with him when you take a player like this. Cause like you said, he's already in a weapon as a blocker. You put him on that every snap roll where you're putting a six foot seven, almost 264 pound guy on the line of scrimmage to block. Like you said, he can block in space. He can block down. He can do everything as he just adds so much to your arsenal as an offense, especially a team like this, where we're re-signing Barkley and re-signing Jones. Like we are going forward with a run heavy style of offense. And we know we use a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of misdirection designed to get the run game going. I just think he could be so good for this offense. But let's talk about another player at the combine at his position. That's Michael Mayer, who I think no matter how he tested, I was always going to like, because when I actually watch Notre Dame, 
and I've started to watch a little bit of film. I saw one game of Mayer so far. I was, I just know this is going to work. Yeah, I just, it's one of those guys I watch and yeah. I know it's going to work at the NFL level. I just know it. And six foot four, two forty nine is fine. Four seven forty yard dash, pretty good. I mean, it's not four six four, but it's damn close. Four seven flat at two forty nine. Elite 20-yard split, okay, to pretty good 10-yard split. Vertical and broad jumps weren't anything to write home about. Didn't do the um, didn't do the change of direction testing. Any thoughts on Mayer? I like everything I've seen from Mayer. I watched him after the 2021 season. He's the tight end that everyone would probably consensusly say is the number one just because he's yeah. more refined and you've seen a lot more of his receiving profile than a Darnell Washington, which is a little bit more of a projection, albeit look at what he did at the combine. Darnell Washington, the one-handed catch along the sideline. kind of wish he ran a faster 40, Michael Mayer. You know, I, I mean, what did he end up running? A 4-7? A flat at 2.46 is solid, I think. Solid, yeah, but yeah. in today's day and age, yeah, it... it that's not going to jump out at you, but I don't really think it matters just from how good game. Exactly. How good his profile is in terms of just winning contested catches. I think a lot of that will be translatable in the NFL, how he gets open, things like that. He doesn't necessarily need that Evan Ingram breakaway speed. He reminds me of a better version of Trey McBride. That's what I see when I watch a player like Michael Mayer, a considerably better better version, but similar style, just considerably better at that style. Dalton Kincaid is a guy who didn't have a combine. He actually ultimately might end up being my tight end one. When I've seen him, Daniel Jeremiah put up some stuff on him. Jeremiah is a huge fan of Kincaid. And I look at him and I'm like, this dude is so freaking hard to put, bring down in space at 246 pounds and nothing to really talk about combine wise because he wasn't there, but just keep an eye on him. Then my boy, who I think is in that final tier. And there's the crazy thing is with the tight end position. I have these four elite ones. Then I have a second tier that in my opinion would be better. would be like the elite tier in any class and better than anyone in that Cole Komet class, better than anyone in like, and like four of the, you know, like last 10 classes have had like the Cole Komets as the tight end ones of the world. And we'll talk about those guys, but let me first get to this last guy in my elite tier. That's Luke Musgrave out of Oregon state. I've talked about him a lot. He's going to be a big time, my guy. And he had absolutely one of the most dominant combines from an athletic score standpoint almost a perfect 10 athletic score he was a 9.96 a true size freak at six foot five and 0.7 almost six foot six which is rare in today's nfl 253 pounds despite being 6'6, 253 nick he ran a 461 40 yard dash that's insane for a 253 pound athlete and that's not it he tested elite in the quickness acceleration drills 20 yard split 267 10 yard split 158 elite elite Vertical jump, 36 inches, borderline elite. Broad jump, 10 feet, 5 inches, elite. So now we're talking about an athlete. He didn't do the uh, change direction testing, but we're talking about an athlete who has the elite frame at 6'5", 253, elite speed speed weight combo at 4'6", 140, elite quickness, and elite jumping explosiveness drills. So, I mean, man, I know there's not a lot of tape on him. I know there's a lot of uncertainty because he was injured and didn't play a lot, but I don't give a crap. I'll bet on these traits any day. You know who else didn't play a lot in college? Rob Gronkowski. I knew you were going to bring up Rob Gronkowski. I don't think Musgrave has that type of blocking profile. No, hell no. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Rob a <laughs> no, not at all. But dude, when you watch the 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 game the week two this year, I think it was against um, Fresno State. He Fresno. had a catch uh, at the end of the game where he ran like a seven route and he had someone clouded over top of him and he had someone in trail underneath him and the quarterback kudos to him he put the football in a really catchable spot but watching him contort his body and track it right into his hands it was like a work of art so you want to just talk about natural receiving skills luke musgrave yes he's not a wide receiver but six foot six 250 pounds around there with that athletic profile and those receiving traits it's going to endear a team in round two or yeah. round probably round two i would imagine right 
Uh, I think it's close. I think it will be round two because people don't like to draft tight ends in round one. But I think like I, I don't think he'll be around. Dude, that's such a gamble if you take this guy in round one with that type of in, injury profile. The injury too. profile is probably what does it, I would imagine. But I look at somebody who's six foot six, almost two fifty three with four six one and all that, plus actual tape that shows he can play the game. And I'm like, I don't think I'll take thirty guys over something like this. I'm just looking for planet theory. Like ultimately, I want planet theory type players. You know, like that's the difference. Like I don't. I don't know if I need like, you know, like a Jalen, like I would take this guy over a Jalen Hyatt, for example. It's, it's kind of funny though, man. When you look at his, his final receiving statistics in college, right. 47 catches for 633 yards and two touchdowns. That's his final statistics, man. Isn't yeah. that kind of crazy? But I, but I understand where you're coming from too. I, mean, I don't hear think some interesting crazy. final statistics that might be, you might just have, and just shows how like hard it is for this tight end position to kind of make it in college and how production can be so slow at it and change so much. Listen to these numbers, 50, over three seasons, 59 receptions, 875 and 10 touchdowns. Who do you think that was? Well, say that one more time. 59 receptions, 875 yards, 10 touchdowns. I'm not sure. Travis Kelsey over three years. You know, yeah. like, and he hasn't yeah. had one season in the sure. NFL where he hasn't had a thousand yeah. yards. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Travis Kelsey, if I remember correctly, didn't he get like kicked off of Cincinnati's program? And then he, it yeah, says like, he played 11 games in these two years. I don't know if that's the, true. It says one of the, his junior year, he was 11 games, 13 receptions. In that. And then his senior year was kind of the quote unquote breakout, but it wasn't even that amazing. It was 45, 7, 22, and 8. Yeah, back when he went to college, I, I think he got like caught like with marijuana or okay. something. And back then it was like a big deal for whatever freaking reason. Right. And uh, yeah. the coach was going to kick him off, but they gave him another chance, luckily, which <laughs> I think it was a good uh, good idea on that coach's part. Yeah. And so just to wrap up on Musgrave, I actually get like potential from a receiving standpoint, Travis Kelsey vibes from him when I watch him. So I'll be curious when you get a chance to watch the little film he has out there, just how he moves in space. That's where I kind of see the effortless movement at that size. He's a Travis Kelsey uh, frame wise. He's very similar to Kelsey and then just watch the movement. Now let me get to the second tier of tight ends, which I'm equally as excited about, which is insane. I mean, in this, in any other class, these dudes would be tight end one for me, both of them, maybe definitely the first guy we're talking about. Like I would take both of them over a Cole Komet any day. Again, I always go back to this Cole Komet class, but like there's several <laughs> Cole Komet class, even last year, like McBride as tight end one. I'll take Sam Laporta over type over McBride thousand out of a thousand times. And I would take the guy I'm going to talk about after who's not as hyped, but I want to talk to you about, cause I think he might be the best value in the entire class and maybe any position I'm that high on him. But let's first talk Sam Laporta. Cause he actually is getting some buzz that he could be like a round two ish pick, maybe round three. And he absolutely had a stunningly good combine at six foot three, two forty five. He's not the ideal frame length um, and size by any means more of like in the George Kittle mold, but comes from Iowa where you know they know how to block and you know they're taught well. It's a tight end factory over there and had a 4.59 40-yard dash at, two four, at uh, 245 pounds, which is absolutely elite speed. 20-yard split was 2.65. 10-yard split, 1.62. Amazing, amazing. Vertical jump, 35. Broad jump, 10 foot, 3 inches. Amazing. But then where it really stood out, just like it did for his, for his you know, for the other, for the alma mater tight end before him, George Kittle, was the, change of direction testing man 425 short shuttle of 6.913 cone at 245 pounds are you kidding me sam laporta and i've been watching a little bit of cut-ups of him that some people have posted twitter and he is a tackle breaking machine in space someone said he reminded him a little bit of mark bavaro i think that was uh actually tommy g on twitter so i don't know if he's a bavaro type i don't think he's that kind of blocker potentially but maybe doesn't have that kind of frame but he my friend is a very interesting prospect 
And yet somehow Iowa only can get this guy one touchdown. Yeah, I know. 2022, man. That's, yeah. that's just Iowa football on the offensive side. Love their defense, love their blockers, love those tight ends, but damn, it's difficult to watch them sometimes on the yeah. offensive side. But yeah, no, I'm interested in Sam Laporta. I'm going to get to his tape to see how he is as a blocker specifically, but that's quite the athletic profile. And then you brought up Will Mallory as well. That's somebody who blew up the combine too. Oh, I, yeah, I teased him. I didn't bring him up because Will Mallory, oh. my man, look, I'm looking at this draft. I see zero buzz surrounding Will Mallory, and I have no freaking clue why. I just don't get it. When I watched him in Miami, he was an effortless, fun mover in space with tackle-breaking ability. In any other class, I think he'd get buzz. In this one, he's not. I think he's going to be probably the biggest steal in this draft. Just listen to this profile. Six foot four, 239. That's not ideal for my others. Six foot four is fine. The 239 is not ideal. Fine. Whatever. He's not going to be. He would have been talked about that already. But four, five, four, 40 yard dash at 239 is insanely impressive. That's faster than Laporta. Two, six, seven, 20 yard split. One, five, nine, 10 yard split. Elite, elite. 36 and a half inch for 10 foot, one inch broad. I mean, we're talking elite explosiveness, elite quickness, elite speed at 239 pounds, six foot four. I think he's going to be a weapon at the offensive level with 32 and a uh, 2.5 inch arm length, decent hand size. I, I like Will Mallory a lot. Yeah. My issue with Will Mallory is that weight, man. Yeah. 239. It's, it's, you're kind of stuck in no man's land. You're a tweener. Like, can True. you block in line or are you just an H back or you Travis Beckham? That's the issue I have True. with Will Mallory. But holy crap, dude. Some of his tape, if you turn on the pit game, he had a play where he was aligned as like the backside of X essentially. And it was one-on-one, just him against the cornerback. He put a little stick and then he just faded out to the pylon and the quarterback threw a beautiful pass to him. And he just extends away from his frame, plucks it out of the air, brings it into his freaking chest. It was beautiful, man. Just so, so much concentration on that, that play. If anybody wants to check it out against Pitt, I don't know exactly when it was in the game, but it was like a 40 yard catch. He reminds me of a player who came out in recent draft class who I wasn't high on, but people buzzed him up because, again, in past draft classes, tight ends is just a death trap. It's just no talent at all versus this one where it's amazing. Hint, hint, Giants, let's try to get one because not every class is going to look this good. But he reminds me of a much better version of Brevin Jordan. Like what Brevin oh. Jordan was supposed to be good at, Will Mallory is actually good at. Yeah, he was from the U as well. Just a worse version, in my opinion, in every way. And he was pumped up. Um, <laughs> Jeez, tell him how it really is. Yeah, this is how I feel watching the two guys. Let's talk about a couple other interesting prospects who blew up the combine at tight end from an athletic standpoint. We don't know if they'll actually be good players in the NFL, but one is Luke Schoenmacher or Schoenmaker from Michigan. I don't know if it's Maker or Mocker, don't care. And he was six foot five, 251, decent, decent, four, six, three. 40 yard dash at 251 is wild. 20 yard splits and 10 yard splits, elite numbers. Vertical jump, not great. Broad jump, though, amazing. 10 foot, seven inches. And then wildly good change of direction on the shuttle, the short shuttle, 427 for a guy at 251. Those were wild testing numbers. Yeah, those are excellent testing uh, numbers. He's definitely going to generate some good day three buzz, as will you want to say the name? Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion, who transferred. From Penn State, I believe he was yes. initially at. He goes down to the combine, runs a four five five forty with a one five seven ten yard split, and then a forty inch vertical jump down with a ten eight broad and a six eight seven three comb with a four one two twenty <laughs> yard shuttle. Those are insane agility and lower body explosiveness yeah. right there from this kid. 
he basically had the perfect combine. He's one of the only people at this entire combine with a perfect 10.0 relative athletic score. Anthony Richardson was one of the other players. I don't know if anyone else topped it. I think some guys hit 9-9, but he hit the 10-0 mark. Height is perfect. <laughs> the bench is great. The 40-yard dash is great. 4.55 at 2.55. The splits are great. The vertical's 40 inches. I mean, the shuttle's 4.12. Are you kidding me? But <laughs> maybe he's just an athlete. We don't know, right? We'll find out if he's actually a football player or an athlete. But he's going to get the attention of a lot of people with a combine like that. Yeah, kudos to him, man. Old Dominion, you know, the home of O'Shane Zimenez. Let's talk some quarterbacks and then let's wrap it up with some offensive line. We'll go quick through both these. I just want to talk a little bit about Bryce Young and TJ Stroud, the uh, projected one and two at the position. Just so interesting. They didn't do really anything at the combine, but I just think it's interesting to just compare profiles from a frame standpoint. Bryce Young, five foot 10, 204 pounds. It's really not the frame you're looking for. 9.7, five inch uh, hands size. And then CJ Stroud, 10 inch hand size, 6'3, 214. Not bad there, but again, not really ideal. Yeah, but C.J. Stroud actually at least threw at the combine. Right, where and looked Bryce, great. Yeah, yeah, he looked the best of, I would say, the group. Right, like Anthony Richardson throwing the football, like he took the combine by storm. We'll get into him a little bit. You could see there's a couple balls though that Anthony Richardson threw that is like mm. a lot, yeah. a lot of balls yeah. where the act with the ball placement was just. I was trying to be nice, but yes, yeah. it wasn't that great. Where when you watch C.J. and he also had to what go I think right before C.J. Stroud's so right. and then C.J. Stroud steps up and it's like holy crap, this guy's pinpoint accuracy is spot on dude right. and that was definitely great for a uh, stroud's profile and i feel like the top of this quarterback it's starting to get very interesting with the ascension of anthony richardson with that just incredible performance he had at the combine and then cj stroud just continued kind of just reinforcing the fact that he is just so damn accurate with the football it's not like we really needed to know that him throwing in his underwear in indianapolis because we all already knew that just watching ohio state offense yeah, without a doubt. A couple other projected quarterbacks to go into the top 15 projected, maybe top 20. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson start. Will Levis checked in at six foot four, which was taller than I expected and good sign because I first I thought he was six three. I was reading and I was like, this dude is all this hype and he's not even six five. And I was like stunned at that, but he's got pretty good. 229 is fine. 34 inch vert is pretty great for a quarterback, 10 foot, four inch uh, broad jump, pretty great for a quarterback, but then somehow trumped by Anthony Richardson, who had the, <laughs> one of the only 10.0 perfect elite relative. This is an insane, like if you lab built a quarterback and took away just, just how he is from an athleticism standpoint and a frame standpoint, this is your guy, you would build him differently. Like you'd have different uh, arm talent, but as far as just frame and athleticism, six foot four, two forty four. Ran a four four three at two forty four, which is just bonkers. Twenty yard split, ten yard split, elite, elite. One five three ten yard split is nine point nine nine. Then a forty and a half inch vertical, best vertical by far ever by a quarterback at a combine. Almost an eleven foot broad jump as well. Again, best I think ever. So just insane athleticism. Yeah, he's an incredible athlete, and he's starting to get top five buzz, which isn't surprising when you have some sort of project like that. You get him with the right quarterback coach, a Brian Dable, an Andy Reid, somebody who is a quote-unquote quarterback whisperer, and then they can unlock all of the traits that he, they may not have along with all that incredible athletic ability. I mean, think about like Justin Fields right now. Like, look at the floor that Justin Fields has, right. and he doesn't have that pinpoint accuracy. He doesn't have the advanced consistency, at least in throwing mechanics and stuff like that. But as an athlete, you could still have a very functional offense in the NFL. Anthony Richardson could be that, and if you can teach him to put the football in stride and 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 throw with more accurate tendencies, then 
you're looking at what an absolute freaking home run because what he can offer from a running standpoint and just from an extemporizing standpoint, he'd be an absolute nightmare to deal with for defenses. Yeah. I think that often gets lost in the debate. People think that these guys are just pure ceiling prospects and boomer bust type projects. But reality is in today's NFL, we literally just, we fans of this show should be well aware. We pretty much crafted an offense last year that didn't rely on throwing the football almost at all from the quarterback. So that could easily be the case if the, if, if somebody like Richardson gets the right coaching, we saw it with fields as well in the second half. Now, a couple other quarterbacks to discuss Hendon Hooker, who's been loosely connected to the Giants at times. Six foot three, 217. Obviously, he didn't do any of the um, the testing because he's coming off the tourney cell. But the one thing I found interesting, by the way, and you you mentioned when you watched this film, when you were watching Hyatt and, and Tillman, that Hooker's very snappy. I think that was the word you used with his throwing motion. You liked his throwing motion. 10.5 inch hands is really freaking good. The biggest of any of the quarterbacks we've said so far. And I think that was always a big calling card of Russell Wilson. When people were like, how did Russell Wilson hit? Why we let him fall to the third round. We knew he had athleticism, his capability. We just didn't really think he could ever be a thrower at the NFL level. I think the hand side was high hand size was a big reason why Russell Wilson worked at the NFL level. So something really interesting to me to look at with Hendon Hooker. I love a quarterback with big hands. I think Daniel Jones has solid hands. I think they're like nine, nine and a half, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Good, good job, Daniel. 10-5 is massive, though, for Hendon Hooker. Then Tanner McKee is just such a weird profile to me. Um, some people like him. Some people don't. 6-6. Six, six. I love the 6-6 six, six part of Tanner McKee. That's a crazy good way, uh, you know, height weigh-in type thing at 231. Like, if he does hit, it's because he like becomes an elite mental processor at six, six who sees over the line of scrimmage and just gets the ball out fast. Dink, dunk, dink, dunk type like Earhart, like, you know, like the Patriot system would be like a nice fit if it worked out, but I don't really think it will. I just a really bad athlete overall Four four one shuttle is not good. The three cone wasn't terrible. The broad inverts were like, okay, I just, just, I don't see it with this kid from that. I just don't, I don't, I just, just not the investment I make would make these days at quarterback, unless I knew I had like a Brady breeze type mental processor. And I'm not just, I'm not sold that McKee is going to be that. Yeah. I don't really have too much on yeah. uh, McKee, but let's transition to the offensive line before sure. we get out of here. So the most impressive combine by far on the offensive line was BYU's Blake Freeland, who I didn't really know anything about going into right. this event, but he came in at six foot eight. And then the one concerning point, he was only 302 pounds, which you don't really love. That's pretty light for a six foot eight player. So he's going to have to add some more sand to his ass in order to, I think, hold up in the NFL, but almost 34 inch arms. And then man, how athletic this dude was. He jumped a 37 inch vert, which is a combined record for an offensive lineman, a four, nine, six, 40 yard dash with a one, six, eight, 10 yard split, and then 10 feet in the broad jump, which was best among the offensive line. That is pretty impressive stuff yeah. from a guy who is relatively unknown and he's turning evaluators back to BYU's tape. Yeah. And that's, what's going to happen when you have elite testing numbers like that. I also want to talk a little bit about Andrew Voorhees at a USC interior offensive lineman who unfortunately tore his ACL in drills. But after that, he still managed to bench a combine high 38 reps on the bench press, insane. It's top 20 in the entire history of combine. Uh, so what do you make of Andrew Voorhees? Is he somebody on the interior of the line you might be interested in the Giants investing in even after that injury? I was interested in him as a day two possible pick. I don't know if the Giants are going to spend a day two pick on the interior offensive line, but if they were, Voorhees was a name that was on my radar. It sucks that he ended up tearing his ACL, but man, what a boss-ass move to go out there and then bench uh, at the combine high and the top 20 in combine history with a freaking torn ACL. And I get it. It's not yeah. squatting. It's not deadlifting, but you still got drive through your lower body when you're benching, bro. Like that is some impressive stuff. And it really just speaks to the toughness of Andrew Voorhees. just sucks so bad that he ended up getting injured. 
so disappointing. But remember, you can still find value at times. Like the Eagles land, uh, drafting Landon Dickerson in round two is turning out to be one of the best deals of that class. And a big reason he fell was because of that ACL or whatever it was at the time. And like so he had a lot of injuries in college. Yeah. injuries, yeah. But he just has been dominant now ever since playing. We knew he would be. His tape was filthy. So it's like kind of knew it. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, a player who – I, I I know you have a different player highlighted up there, but I want to talk a little about Paris Johnson just because he was mm-hmm. like the one player in my notes I put that stood out to me the most. I just felt like when I watched him, he looked like he moved smooth, like an offensive lineman should look great body control. And you put that in your thing as well. Then I heard him talk during the combine. He brought his mother on and he was kind of talking about his journey. And he just, I love the way he discussed the way he talked, the way he sounded. He just, he reminds me of like another Andrew Thomas from that standpoint, from the off the field standpoint, like he's just going to go to work, get his job done, zero distractions and do everything he can to work on his technique and improve anything he struggles with early on. So we don't need to tackle the giants, but Paris Johnson was interesting to me. I couldn't agree more with you on Paris Johnson. And I honestly think Broderick Jones, the Georgia likely top 15 draft pick. He looked really good in the on field drills. I think all of the top offensive linemen, did themselves well at this event. Like Peter Skaronsky's arm length ended up being 32 and a fourth. So it's at least over 32 inches. Is he going to play inside? Is he going to play tackle? I guess that debate will be settled by whoever drafts him. But still, he didn't kill himself. It wasn't a great combine, but I just felt like the the on-the-field drills, like Matthew Bergeron, the Syracuse offensive tackle, moved very well. Paris Johnson, as you brought up. Broderick Jones, I felt like Darnell Wright from the University of Tennessee didn't have the best testing. But when you just get him out in space, you could see how, how they move. And that's what I really care about. How do they kick out in a space? How fast are they? And then I love the drill that they have where <laughs> I feel like the offensive lineman is going to get creamed or they're not the offensive lineman. The coach is going to get absolutely obliterated every time because he just stands there and he leans in one direction. The offensive lineman has to go in the other direction, but it shows you how quick these offensive linemen can kind of repivot and redirect, redistribute their weight in one direction. And I felt like a lot of those top guys that we just listed really looked I would say pretty damn impressive in the on the field drills. I just don't know if the Giants are going to invest anything into their offensive line where they can get any of those types of guys who will likely be picked in the top 60. Time will tell with that regard. All right, that's all we have for on today's show. Recapping the combine on the offensive side of the ball. As you can tell, we're clearly very excited about this running back and tight end class. There's, I love drafting into the strength of a draft. I don't see classes like this that come around often at tight end. I really hope the Giants get one there. And running back feels the same to me, man. There's a lot of depth on day two and three. I would hope the Giants draft into that depth, and we'll see what happens. But thanks for tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. Now that we're through this, free agency is very close, so we're going to monitor that. Have news breaking on that when the Giants sign players at start. You'll probably start to hear news this Sunday. This Sunday night is probably when the tampering begins. So maybe the Giants will get in early like they did last year, fairly early with Glowinski. I think now that they've signed Jones and Bar and Barkley eventually, but even if they don't, his cap number is only 10 million right now. They're going to be pretty active in free agency. That doesn't mean they're getting top of the market players, but I think we're going to get like two Glowinski deals and then a bunch of depth deals uh, more so than we got last year. So we'll see what happens there. We'll get back from the draft profiles after that. Guests coming up on the show as well throughout. So keep it loaded. Keep it locked here. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.